This is a HeadGum Podcast. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. Hey, this is Stephanie Williams on the Lemonade Podcast and Let Go Let Flow, one half of Missy Nice Uninformed Afro, which I co-host with creator of BlackGirlNerds.com and the BGM Podcast, Jamie Rodnex. We're back for season two of MKUA. For those of you that might be unfamiliar, we are a podcast that talks about Black superheroines and Black women characters in comics. We discuss their origin stories, character development, well-known story arcs, obscure story arcs, and, well, of course, we discuss their hair. I mean, we are Misty Nights Uninformed Afro. This season, we're featuring Alien Defiance's Zula Hendricks, Bitch Planet's Penny Roll, Milestone's Rocket, Saga's Gwendolyn, Frank Miller's Martha Washington, DC's Nubia, and we also have a surprise character, but can't say anything about it yet. Just the mystery. Just like our first season, we're hoping that you walk away more knowledgeable of these women and walk away with the thirst to get to know them better. So please, pull up a seat, get comfy, and we'll meet you on the other side of the dryer. This is Corey Bowles. You're listening to Black Girl Nerds. I'm Tracy Heather Strain, director of Sighted Eyes Feeling Heart, the first featured documentary about Lorraine Hansberry, and you're listening to me on Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Liz Femi. I'm an actress co-starring on Send Me, an original web series, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Simone Missick, and I am Misty Knight, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Rachel True, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Greg Pock. I'm the writer of Totally Awesome Hulk and Kingsway West. But most importantly, you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, and it is awesome. I am Micheline Hess. I'm the artist and writer of Malice in Ovenland and the Island Cats of Hungary, as well as the Anansi Kids Club and the All Saints Day Adventure, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Maya G from Rain, a fan film about Storm, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Gary Anthony Williams, a.k.a. Encore Rockers. This is Go Encore Rockers. All right, now I'm starring at Bebop and Teenage Mood and Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows. And you is listening to the Black Girl Nerd Podcast. Why the hell they let black women have a podcast? I will never know. Black 
Pacific Rim Uprising, Professor Marston at New York Comic Con, and BGN Fan Chat at Salt Lake City Comic Con. Three fantastic segments. Our first segment, it's epic, guys. You know, there's been a campaign on social media, John Boyega, please come on our podcast, and he's sort of kind of doing these podcast roundups. Well, Pacific Rim Uprising premiered the trailer, as well as the panel, premiered over at New York Comic Con, and Mel Perez does that interview on a one-on-one in our very first segment. In our second segment, over at New York Comic Con yet again, we have a roundtable discussion with the cast and crew of Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. If you've not done so already, I would buy a ticket and check that out this weekend at your local movie theater. It does open in theaters nationwide this weekend. And in this interview features director Angela Robinson and actors Luke Evans and Rebecca Hall. This roundtable features journalists, including our very own Joy, whose stunning review actually got a pull quote from Anna Printer Pictures. So if you see any promos for Professor Marston and the Wonder Women promo anywhere, any posters, and you see sensual black girl nerds, that is Joy's pull quote. So congrats to Joy on that. Segment three is a fan chat moderated by Black Girl Nerds journalists KB, Kai, and Mel. This was over at Salt Lake City Comic Con. And you know what? This was an incredibly interesting and fun and entertaining discussion. They talk about everything from comic books to their favorite superheroes to TV shows that they like to people who they would like to interview, which Mel got her wish. She wanted to interview John Boyega, and that happened in the very first segment of this podcast. So check out that final segment, and enjoy BGN 130, Pacific Rim Uprising, Professor Marston at New York Comic Con, and BGN Fan Chat over at Salt Lake City Comic Con. John Boyega is an English actor and producer, best known for playing Finn in the 2015 film Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is the seventh film in the Star Wars series. You can also catch him this December in Star Wars The Last Jedi, coming back as Finn. You probably remember him where he grew to prominence in the 2011 sci-fi comedy film called Attack the Block. And, coming soon to a theater near you, he's playing the role of Jake Pentecost in the sequel to the film Pacific Rim, called Pacific Rim Uprising. Hey, okay, this is Mel Perez, and we are here today with John Boyega for Pacific Rim 2 Uprising panel at your conference. Yes. How are you doing? 
Good, thank you. Very good day. Yourself? You good? I'm good. I'm getting there. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> getting there. <laughs> okay, so for those who weren't at the panel today, can you mm. tell us a little bit about the movie? Because yeah. when the first one ended, you know, they had closed the roof and we thought, okay, this is it. Everything mm -hmm. is good. But yeah. now we have a sequel. So yeah. what's happened in the 10 years since? So it's been in 10 years since the last movie. Uh, humanity hasn't seen a kaiju attack during that time but has kept themselves prepared for it. The way in which they came into the world before was far too fantasy for them to not keep uh, a Jaeger program going. Mm -hmm. So the PPDC has obviously greenlit a new uh, generation of, of Jaeger pilots to learn and come in and, and be the, the fighters and defense for a potential attack. While the humans have been advancing their weapons and their mech, so have the kaiju in, on their side of the world and they have found a new way of, of, of breaching and opening another breach and coming into our, into our world and actually interconnects with the first film a, a, a kind of a bad omen that they left that we didn't know about okay. uh, an, an unclosed door um, and so we discover that and, and through the eyes of Stacker Pentecost obviously played by Idris Elba through his son Jake Jake Pentecost okay. so speaking of Jake can you tell us a little bit about your character? yeah Jake Jake is we meet you know, the, we're in a, an apocalyptic world in which it's hard to get food. It's uh, the financial market has crashed. Mm -hmm. Most of the wealthy people have moved from the breach, the beachfront inland. Um, Jake is one of the only people living at the beachfront, um, and he runs a criminal organization in which he exchanges and sells rogue Jaeger parts, um, okay. and also sells cars, Oscars, Mona Lisas, anything <laughs> you can really find for food. Not so, your like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, he is the dude living in half a mansion with a bunch of young people. He throws parties all the time, and he's he's someone that's always run run away from responsibility. And so we meet him at a time where he's going on one of his jobs and ends up meeting Amara, mm -hmm. and is brought in uh, to PPDC for all his crimes. And Mako Mori, his sister, gives him a chance and says the only the only way you're gonna you know. Uh, not face these charges is by teaching the next generation of Jaeger pilots given Jake's history within the PPDC and so he has to kind of get rid of his you know his, his cockiness and ego and get back to work and become a hero okay so are we going to get a chance to see like the relationship dynamics between Mako and Stacker and Jake um, we're definitely going to see it between Jake and Mako obviously mm -hmm. Stacker Stacker haven't been Stacker haven't been gone but we will definitely get uh, a, a view on, on what it was like, you know, and, and the kind of environment that they had, the dynamics in their relationship, and, and all of that is explored. We don't want to leave any stone, like, unturned, so we're okay. definitely getting into that. Okay. So how did you approach getting into character, especially as Stacker's son? Did you talk to Idris at all, or did you just start fresh? No, the first thing was, was, was demeanor. I think, um, for me, I, I first heard about Pacific Rim on a newspaper in 2013. Mm -hmm. And Idris Elba was on the front of it in a jet black suit, just with a, a tash and looking all handsome. And I was just like, I was just like, this is dope. At the time, I was an upcoming actor. I hadn't booked a role yet. And for me to see him, especially mm -hmm. a black man like that, I was just like, that is dope. And so that kind of launched me into the into the world of, of Pacific Rim. And his character was always stern and established. And so in approaching his son, I was kind of like asking me the question of. I wonder what Stacker was like when he was young because most of these people that grow up to be complete and disciplined and have an element of perfection are mm -hmm. probably doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to have that element of the demeanour of obviously what Idris had put but, but 
also the the young element that we that we all know about, you know. So that I, I put those two together to create this this, this guy. I couldn't imagine Sacker Young. I just imagine he came out of the womb in that. Oh, exactly. With that, yeah, exactly. Just looking exactly just, just the same, just like this, just, all the yeah. time, you know. But that just for me, saying, don't you ever touch me? Don't touch me again. Don't even. Not even to put my diapers on. Yeah, do it. yeah. <laughs> put my but own I, damn but, on. but I was just like, you know, I I know that that, that most of these most of these guys, even if you look at you know you know heroes in real life, you know, if you look at Gandhi, you look at Malcolm X, these guys are like. Not up to no good at a young age, and so I, st- I based it off of off of great leaders. Also, you know, it's, okay. it's a way of implementing that reality, that growth in uh, uh, in character, and this is something we explore. Okay, so physically, how did you have to get ready for the role? First of all, I had to grow out hair on my face, which normally doesn't bloody happen, but <laughs> for some reason, my 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 hormones have stepped up. I'm 25 years old, and I finally get a bit of buzz fuzz. And for Finn, I was always clean shaven, and, and obviously mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's growing out. I had a say on costume, I had a say on look, and I wanted this lineup to be right. <laughs> Finn, Finn ain't got no lineup, and I decided that because I wanted I wanted Finn to have that old school Eddie Murphy cut. You know, it, you know the Empire doesn't have good barbers. I know, no, they don't have no, they have no good barbers. <laughs> but I, I, I liked that classic element mm-hmm. of natural. And I want the black folk to know I'm black, man. You know, you see, you see that, you see that texture. You know, he, he can't lie. I, I am mixed with nothing, <laughs> African. So I want him to see that. But with this, it, it was a great way of saying, you know, this guy is young. He's gonna want his barber to hook him up. And and Idris had the low cut with 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 the fade. And I went in and said, you know what? I wanted to get a, a significant uh, line. I wanted a twist, you know, mm-hmm. at the top. That's just you know my element added in there because Jake, you know, Jake kind of fine, you know, Jake sexier than me. <laughs> Living out in his beach mansion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was a cool, it was a cool, a cool way. life going on. Yeah, yeah. The but world is ending, but if the world was ending, that is the way to live. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I think, I think that if the world was crumbling apart, I think that people would definitely take advantage of 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 the of that, and and, and Jake is one of those people. Okay. So you've worked on other sci-fi projects before. Yeah. So how did that prepare you for this role? I think first of all, you know, knowing that you know there's a, a huge element of what I call CGI acting. Mm-hmm. You become a child again, and you you have to imagine you know things and and and, and be on reaction mode. Uh, but also the process. I think um, it's a long process making any one of these movies, um, mm-hmm. and with producing as well, I was able to kind of communicate, especially to our newcomer Kaylee the process and, and the way in which things would, would po- possibly pan out. Um, but for me, it, it was a new experience in itself because we were shooting in Sydney. It's a different story. It's a different character. We went over to China, which was a huge, massive cultural mm-hmm. experience for me. Um, and I think that the, that made it different. There was an element of it that you can never have been prepared for. But I think, you know, having a few sci-fi films over you, under your belt, you know, helps you prepare for at least the, the harsh schedule and, and okay. the process. Yeah. Okay. So, what made you want to get involved as a producer, and how has that experience been? I think um, I think there there is there is power within creative control, um, mm-hmm. and I think that I I wouldn't have produced if I didn't feel like I could collaborate with Universal, um, and I, I could collaborate with Legendary. I actually, after Star Wars Seven, reinvested my money back into building this company and hiring people to to help me to to to, to have a vision. 
um, and you know we we always like to talk about diversity. We we had to talk about the answers to having inclusion in the industry. But I felt like I need to do something, and 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 this is the first step, and and the one of the earliest steps in in that element of wanting to do and and be a part of that creative process. And also, I get to decide on my haircuts, costume. <laughs> I was just like, no, nah, hell no, I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to definitely get this producer's credit. You know for sure and it's a great time to obviously get my foot my feet wet i've mm -hmm. always had this ambition um and, and this was a great start for me okay so do you plan on producing more in the future oh we got we got a whole bunch of plans uh, i'm writing at the moment i've been writing for a year and a half um you know uh, for me since we're on uh, black girl nerds mm -hmm. I've, I've 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 always wanted to see uh, inclusion but not, not only just in black women but in the darker shades um, I, I feel like there, there is an element of colorism sometimes that could stifle the casting of, of, of certain roles. Um, and for me, I won't just get a sister in there with braids <laughs> just to, to mess things up. And you can't do that by always um, talking. And, and so part of this company is to, is to, is to have that inclusion. And it goes across all spectrums. It's not only the inclusion of color, but the inclusion of people, different types of people, yeah, rebranding what a leading woman is, what a leading man is. And I think these are these are the elements that, that I'm, I'm, I'm working towards currently. Okay. So, um, can I ask one last question? Yeah, one. Okay, so my last question is, so we're Black Girl Nerds, so mm -hmm. what are you nerdy about? What am I nerdy about? Yes. Oh, I'm nerdy, nerdy about Naruto. I'm nerdy uh, about uh, Attack, Attack on Titan. Titan. <laughs> Oh, they need to hurry up and come out with that because I'm sick and tired of waiting. Um, uh, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big One Punch Man. Uh, I'm, I'm getting so into like the a anime. Lot of anime. Yeah, because I'm on planes a lot and I can't sit through watching all those films that they have on it. Mm -hmm. I think I've watched every single film on those planes. So now I'm into my into my anime. It's weird. Professor Marston and the Wonder Women is a 2017 biographical drama film about American psychologist William Moulton Marston, who created the fictional character Wonder Woman. The film, directed and written by Angela Robinson, stars Luke Evans as Marston, Rebecca Hall as his wife Elizabeth, and Bella Heathcote as Olive Byrne, the couple's housewife. J.J. Field, Oliver Platt, and Connie Britton also star. It premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival and was released this weekend on October 13th. It's received positive reviews from critics, including over here Black Girl Nerds, from our journalist and film critic, Joy. Hey, you guys. Hello. 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 <laughs> That's great. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Oh, good. Okay. We're just waking up, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kinda, oh, okay, here we go. Right? <laughs> it make it no, no, it's like This is your yeah. this is your This is kind of all weather, isn't it? Oh yeah. I don't think Except it's not with anymore, the, the warmth, uh, the humidity yeah. that uh, we're not used to that, but yeah, we're used to the rain. Brits. <laughs> Welsh. Well, sorry. Well, well, this is fine. Just not English. It's fine. It's not English. Okay. <laughs> so I have, I have a question to start off with, I guess. Um, just sort of what inspired you to sort of write and tell a story? Like, what made you choose this story? Because um, it's an incredible story. I mean, first and foremost, I was a Wonder Woman fan from the jump, like, from the get-go. I think I was trying to 
figure out my original Wonder Woman moment. I think it was a lunchbox, I think. But we all kind of agreed that it was the Linda Carter television show that really kind of, you know, sealed. But she was the only one. She was the only girl. And that, honestly, you could pick from. So I became a fan. And then after I shot my first feature, a friend gave me a History of Wonder Woman book. And there was a chapter in there on the Marstons. And I literally couldn't believe the story. I was like, what? Like, you know, the way they with a lie detector and they all lived together and they had a family and the thing and they were psychologists. I mean, it just kept going on and on. And so um, that's kind of, I just became obsessed from the minute I read about them. Rebecca, the two women in the film seem to have a, from the trailer, seem to have a very close bond. Is that, it, I mean, it, it, to put it in loose terms, right? It, it, yeah, so in the film, will it kind of redefine what women empowerment is? That's a question for everyone else to answer, I guess, when they see the movie. I. I do think that there is something incredibly radical about the storytelling in this movie, and it's certainly the thing that drew me to it, because I think that to tell a story about an unconventional love relationship um, and not make it the central focus of the story, <laughs> or make it the problem of their relationship, you know, as in X is jealous of Y, or W is jealous of Y, and X is jealous of Y, like, <laughs> you know, it's to not do that but actually tell a story of a love relationship that is thwarted by external factors which you know like whether it's society won't accept them or actually on a much more base level of how are these people going to pay the bills raise children like live in the world and exist I think that's actually radical because it doesn't make a comment on you know it's not a sort of let's look at these people and aren't they crazy and oh my goodness it's not detached or alienated it's actually it, it takes you along on the ride and says, love these people and accept that they are in a real loving relationship. <laughs> and I think that is truly astonishing. I can't think of many films that dare to do that. Even if it is sort of quite, you know, it's quite a conventional romance in a sense, but what isn't conventional is the story. And that's, that's radical and I love that. So in that sense, yes. Because I think some people, I think some people could look at this story and kind of go, you know, what about what about this and what about that and what about the, the bondage element and what about did his did he just, just sort of rope in his wife to accept the young lover and oh aren't we shouldn't we all be judgy about that? And I say that's not really feminist because actually what if there's there is nothing to say that the women weren't into this too. <laughs> and that is empowering. Like if you tell that story and you tell it real and not in a titillating male gazy sort of way, but you tell it in a sort of real, true, honest, organic way, then that is like, right, okay. <laughs> so you made mention of the family aspect of it. Yeah. Will we see a different sense of gender roles? Because there is a family aspect in the film with, with all three of them. Oh, yeah, I mean, I suppose they get, they get... I think what's really interesting about them is that the gender roles... A lot of the movie talks about men and women and kind of white male entitlement and glass ceilings for women and what roles kind of society forces women to play versus um, in their fantasy life they're able to kind of 
uh, transcend that. And do you know, like so, the um, the exploration of their sexuality in the film is more about finding, being liberated of their true selves in this fantasy world that links to Wonder Woman, as opposed to sex necessarily. Um, and then it's kind of the reality where they're doing. So I do feel like the film talks a lot about how restrictive the roles and the unlevel playing field that the women have to operate on versus Marston. Well, from the outset, we, yeah. we we talk about Elizabeth not being able to go to go to Harvard. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's this uh, is that's that sets up the period in which this film is is based. It was a it was a very unequal yeah. uh, time for, for men and women. And he he was a champion for women's rights. You know, something that's not really you know understood or remembered about Marston is that he 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 wrote Wonder Woman as feminist propaganda for little boys to accept female authority. It's like, and he believed that. Yes, and he, believe he believed that in, within his. Love relationship, yes. as which was then uh, threaded into his his theory, his his yeah. psychology theory, theory of of uh, the disc theory, which he where he believed that women were inherently loving and nurturing, as opposed to men being in an anarchistic and, and and violent. So he, he was very aware of it. And, rule the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that that but he was also, peace. you know, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> there are moments in the film where you see when they are a family and they're in that house and the do the doors are closed. There's this, this beauty between the three of them and their children, and um, and he, he admires it and he loves it. He see, and these are the perfect, you know, they are his test subjects in a way. He's able to observe women in, a, in naturally sub supporting each other and loving each other and loving him as well. And uh, so, yeah, like as in a different way of ruling. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. not as in we're, we're loving and nurturing and therefore we should be submissive. It's more like how do you use that to be a ruler? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. He really was very like practical. Like the world was at war with Hitler and he really thought if women could be put in charge we could stop war. Mm. He was like in a very literal way. He was like we need to stop all and he'd been through World War One and seen all the death and carnage and he was like we have to stop this. Very and we could do that by changing hearts and minds, and you know, so that was a it was a very active, um, like endeavor that he was trying to stop. Wonder Woman for president. Wonder Woman yeah. for president. <laughs> Wonder Woman has been a hero. Who have been your own personal heroes in your life? You mean like fictional heroes yeah, or whatever? Whoever you felt inspired you or been you know a big part of your life it could be real or fictitious. Oh, I mean, I'm, some of my heroes are sort of my my granddad has always been just like I just love being around him. He he sort of gives off this incredible energy and he's very content and happy to walk the the, the hills of South Wales and stop at every pub and have a pint. And he's been a great dad to his six children and he's still here and he's still as vibrant and and happy and pleasant as he's always been and um, I admire him for that um, yeah that's probably my my, my hero uh, I was named after Angela Davis actually so yeah so she's my hero that's a good one that's a really good one I was named after Rebecca West who's like slightly more obscure one <laughs> travel writer and also a feminist actually a very kind of radical good one so, like, a, traveling, a, a traveling feminist uh, yeah 
So yeah, I'll take her. But um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Loads, lo I have a lot of heroes. But actually, in, in relation to this, I would say that Elizabeth Marston, I'm playing a real person, but I've, what is known about her is limited. And I'd say that I probably owe as much to cues that I picked up in the writing that reminded me of some of my heroes like uh, Catherine Hepburn and Myrna Loy and Betty Davis and Barbara Stanwyck I would say those are the kind of top four and I probably owe quite a lot of my interpretation of Elizabeth Marston to those heroes of mine as much as I do everything else. <laughs> I actually want to kind of go back to the male gaze. Um, so what I loved about this film is that I felt like the core of the relationship of the throuple was actually Olive and Elizabeth. Um, and I thought that oftentimes a lot of criticisms with films, especially when they're showing kind of queer relationships, is it's done through a male gaze. So for you, being a queer creative and being a queer writer and director, what do you think is the importance of having that and showing that on screen as well? Really damn important. <laughs> uh, no, I worked very actively um, with the notion of the female gaze on this film, and it was really important to me. I worked with the cinematographer Bryce Fortner, and we talked a lot about how do we, um, the history of shooting any sort of poly or kink relationship on film is pretty dismal and I really didn't across the board as a directorial decision I was like I didn't want it I didn't want to otherize their experience I didn't want to make them be like oh aren't they weird or they I didn't want anything like dark it's always like black and you know like kind of skeevy <laughs> you know what I mean like it's or transgressive even um and I didn't want to treat that at all and it was really I feel like a lot of the movie I was obsessed with the notion of consent do that a lot even their foreplay is about consent like they're always like uh, are you sure you want to do this do, is this okay do even in the lie detector scenes they're like do you want to have sex with me do it like do it like and so that um, that I found that that was ultimately way sexier than what they were like actually doing and I really spent a lot of time um, I feel like a lot of times um, when sexuality is portrayed on film or especially sex scenes they like everybody's acting and directing and then the film stops and they shoot the sex scene and then they resume the film basically and in this relationship it was really important for the actors that was a really important component of their relationship. And so I think you feel that, that it's not exploitative and it's not just gratuitous. It's really about their connection. And so I think that really comes across and I'm happy that people are receiving it that way. Pardon the interruption, we have time for one more question. So I actually have a question about showing, uh, promoting this film at New York Comic Con. Obviously Comic Con is a place where a lot of people can be accepted of different, you know, sexualities, different genders, and just from all walks of life. Can you talk a little bit about wanting to share this experience with the fans upstairs? I was, have been really obsessed because I consider myself, you know, like a queer nerd, basically, do like it. Um, and I really, it was very important to me when I was approaching this that I respect Wonder Woman the character and Wonder Woman's fandom because I was a part of it. And that was kind of my North Star 
in making this movie. And so I was very, um, uh, like I remember when Annapurna picked up the movie to distribute, I was like, we have to go to Comic-Con. I was just like, we have to go to the Wonder Woman fans first. And we have to go to New York Comic-Con and we have to talk to the people who love Wonder Woman. And it's it's for everybody. Like I really hope everybody, but I, I myself feel a deep connection to Wonder Woman and I felt that it was really important to share that kind of first and foremost with Wonder Woman fans. Great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. And Thank you guys. Salt Lake City Comic Con is an annual Comic Con event that takes place in none other than Salt Lake City, Utah. And over at Salt Lake City Comic Con, KB, Kai, and Mel had a fan chat where they talk about everything that you could possibly want to talk about when it comes to nerd and geek subculture. So I'm not going to elaborate any further. Sit back, relax, enjoy, and geek out over this incredible segment featuring our girls over at Black Girl Nerds. Hey guys. So thanks for coming to the live recording of the Black Girl Nerds podcast fangirl chat. I am going to be your moderator. I'm KB. um, And I will let the other two... Um, illustrious co-hosts introduce themselves. Right at me. I sure did. Hi, I'm Mel Perez. I'm a writer and podcaster for Black Girl Nerds. I'm Kai. Um, I mostly do comic reviews, books, written content for Black Girl Nerds. Awesome. So thanks for joining us. So the format we're going to do here is I'm going to ask these two kind of a series of semi-random questions. Um, and then... We're just gonna open it up and you guys can ask us whatever you want um, within reason, don't get crazy. No, really, you can just ask whatever you want. Uh, and we'll answer how, uh, we'll answer it, yeah. So okay. I'm gonna get started. So my first question is, uh, if you're stuck on an island with a dome that restricts flying and walking or x-ray vision, what comic book character do you choose to help you get off that island? Okay. All right, I wrote a list. <laughs> <laughs> so, swimming was not restricted, so I had Aquaman. Uh, Nightcrawler for teleportation. Mm, yeah. Some, like, I'll take anyone with a Green Lantern ring. Oliver Queen, because he actually survived being on an island and escaped it. <laughs> That's a good one. But the one that I'm sticking with, well, I had Bruce Wayne on there, too, because he's good at survival. But the one I'm sticking with is America Chavez, because she can punch her way out. Yes. <laughs> so I was, I picked Aquaman, but the, the super friend's Aquaman, because if he couldn't swim us out, he could call the whales and things and like either make sure we had dinner and also to like <laughs> make sure find we had a dinner. way. Because you have to eat. That's, it may take a while to that get out. That is true. But I figure with his communication powers and he could get us out. And also I was thinking of Beast Boy Ooh. because of his shape-changing powers. Like he could come up with something that would get us out of there. Yeah, I'm so boring. I actually picked Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he seems like we could, we yeah. could make it. And if Scott we didn't, Snyder's bet wouldn't be bad, right? Because yeah. his is the smartest. Yeah, of all. I'm Ooh, like we can make it work. I had and then I Jason also... Momoa Aquaman. I just need to specify that. <laughs> yeah, because um, I knew. Yeah, no. 
Just something nice to look at in case we can't get out right away. Part of, part of me wanted to pick Iron Man because he has survived extreme cases before. Mm-hmm. He just you know finds what? random things, yeah. creates them, works his way out. And then I was like, wait, that means Shuri could do it too. I was thinking Iron Man, but then I thought, were we dropped a, like tools? Do we have no. anything you on have this You have to work island? with nature. It's like castaway. That's what I thought. I was like, if we have trees and coconuts, I feel like Iron Man is not going to help us get, off, get out of here. I don't know. Tony, yeah. Tony Stark is resourceful. We'll see. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Sort yeah. of. I mean, Aquaman probably is the best, mm-hmm. the best bet of getting off. I mean, mostly because he would just allow you to swim on his back. And, you know, you guys would make it out together in a heartbeat. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So, I'm asking a different question and saying, what is your dream interview for yourself? You Living. Me first. Present. Okay. I can go to Kai. I mean... It's only right. three of us. So. I also have a list <laughs> for this. So, this so my yeah. So much more so this prepared. is what happens when you give me time to answer questions. Mm-hmm. So my dream interview: Carrie Hart, Rosemary Chan, uh, Tran, uh, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill, and Kathleen Kennedy. If you there's like a there's a yeah there's a commonality <laughs> to these choices. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to interview just Star Wars people. That's basically it. Whoever want, from Star Wars wants to come on the podcast, I want to talk to you. Yes, BGN's collecting story group people. We're up to two now because we had Diana and Matt Martin. So we want more. Just putting that out there. Always. <laughs> For me, it'd have to be George Lucas, but I know mm. I couldn't really interview him because he's like, so I'd like to have, like, so I don't know if you guys seen the picture, but there's this like fast food kind of P.F. Chang's kind of place in this mall somewhere, and it's George Lucas's favorite meal. Like whenever he is in this city, he basically goes to the mall and he goes to this kind of like um, P.F. Chang's kind of place and gets, and he sits there and reads the paper. So I'd like to have lunch with him and talk and secretly record it. Do you know <laughs> You know which mall though, right? Yeah, there was, I can't remember ah. the picture. Someone showed it. I think it's in Chicago or someone. Ever he is in this town, he just like goes to this mall and he goes to gets in line and he orders his favorite food and he sits and eats. And people just take pictures of him like, oh, George Lucas is in town because he's at the mall eating, you know, chow mein. So. And uh. secretly record him. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like if you try to interview him, like, he's heard everything. What could I possibly say to him? I don't know. You could give him the one question that yeah. he hasn't heard ever. I don't know. And I kind of feel now with his wife, like, he's a little bit more open to, like, hey, well, hey, what's up? Thanks so much to talk. <laughs> okay, so I picked, I picked Michelle Obama, oh, actually. That's, that's, like, my dream interview. But um, currently what I'm working on, just in my personal repertoire of life, is getting basically everyone on DCTV <laughs> on the podcast. It's working out sort of so far. So I'm just, you know, Making your crossed. way through that list. I am making my way through the list. Every time we get someone new, I'm like, yes. I'm surprised you didn't Dreams say Grant, true. that you didn't just put all your Grant's, cards on Grant's the on, table. Grant's on the list. Yeah. So <laughs> handsome. Oh. But he's, he's on the list. But, I mean, um, Candace is before Grant. Of course. For sure. Like, so, um, okay. So, if you could cross franchise, like any franchise in the world, and you could create your own movie, and you could pick any single character from any franchise, pick four to make the best movie ever. All right. I'm going to let Kai go first. Okay. (laughs) So, I'm going to have an all-girl Star Wars story movie and they're all gonna be um, blondes and redheads. No dark-haired girls allowed. So, <laughs> what? 
Yeah, it was just totally, That's so specific. Yeah, because it's so specific. I mean, I love Star Wars to death, but... Um, so you wouldn't even choose other characters no. to bring into the world of Star Wars? Like, you love it so much no, that no, you no. wouldn't even... We need to make up for this hair color problem. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not... Stay in the franchise, yeah, change the hair color. Be. So I'm going to say Charlize Theron will be the blonde one. Oh, um, okay. And also it'd have to be... Um, the woman who plays Night Nurse um, on the, the Rosario, Dawson. Rosario Dawson. She's gonna be something. Um, because <laughs> it's basically just gonna be four. Like maybe they'll be badass bounty hunters or something. But it's just gonna be four women. Rosario Dawson has dark hair. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, but she's not white. Okay. So, <laughs> so the whole thing is like no, okay. no white dark-haired women. So we just need to break that trope. And if we just okay. do a movie with that, it'll just break it. And then um, I'm trying to think who else I want. It's so hard because I didn't prepare. Uh, <laughs> and I overprepared. <laughs> the spectrum. I'm just in the middle. Oh, Gwendolyn Christie, of course. Ah. She'll have to be in. And I'm trying to think of one more. Man, there's a lot of dark-haired people. <laughs> you went very specific. So. I know. This is a hard one because I picked very specific. So I will also say, oh, um, the girl who plays Killer Frost. I like her a lot. Um, Caitlin? Kate, oh, no, she's brown-haired, isn't she? <laughs> she has Danielle, wow, Danielle Panabaker. That yeah. sucks. So yeah. there's only going to be three women. <laughs> <laughs> and still no men. No, and then yes, okay. and I just want like a kind of rough rider, bounty hunter kind of thing. Okay, yeah. okay. Did you pick? Okay, I have Michonne from The Walking Dead. Yes. Oh, that's a good yes. Shuri from Black Panther. Yep. Cassandra Kane from Batman. Mm. And River Song from Doctor Who. That's awesome. Oh. I have no idea what this movie's going to be about. A okay. caper. caper. How movie. it's going to work. But I'm just like, this, this is what I want. I want them in it, and they can do something. I don't know that's why. Awesome. Something is going to happen. Oh. Okay, guys, don't judge me. I picked Captain Planet. Oh, I love I Captain Planet. I did. I picked Captain Planet. I, I then followed that up with Howard the Duck. Um, <laughs> and this could be the world's worst film, or it could be incredible. I mean, it could go one of two ways. Then I also picked Nubia. I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Why not? Yeah. And then I picked the Black Power Ranger. <laughs> That's a good one. I was like, this movie's going to be so fantastic. Like, my dream casting. <laughs> it would just be so lovely. Mostly Howard would be at the center, because um, he's the best. And then, and then yes. I would go from there. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, guys, get in line if you have any random questions you want to ask. We are asking, uh, I mean, you can ask us anything mm -hmm. that you want. So my last question is, if education or money, none of that mattered, what would your dream job be? If you didn't have to be trained for it and you could just walk into it just... My dream job would be, I'd either want to be a costume designer or a special effects makeup artist. Ooh. Like, I, want, I still, I want to be those so bad, but I don't have the skills for it. And I'm like, this would be perfect <laughs> if suddenly I woke up one day and bam, I was awesome and people were calling me and they're like, hey, we need you to design this. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready with this kit that came out of nowhere and these skills, these beautiful skills. I'm like, I'm going to be the best costume designer ever. Look at my Oscars that also popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> then you won Oscars, you won like everything. 
It's so weird because I'm actually doing, one of the things I would always ask my clients, because being a massage therapist is also part like being a bar- therapist, bartender, and I would always ask my clients. Wait, wait like, bartender, you give them alcohol while you Well, I mean advice, them? you know, like oh, bartenders oh. do. And I would always ask my clients who were frustrated with their work, I'm like, if you could guarantee the same salary, um, what would you do? And it's 90% of the time it's not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But for me, the answer that I am doing what I would do, like, um, you know, but I think what I would, if I could go into the fantasy realm, like just I, I would, I want to open the day spa from Spirited Away, where Aww. it's just like a day spa for monsters and and ghosts <laughs> and stuff, and basically it's like a bathhouse for the supernatural, and it's oh. the best thing ever. If you haven't seen, it's a total, it's a day spa. The monsters come and they get like a steam oh bath and they get food. Yeah. And the, ba- the favorite scene from that movie makes me cry. So there's basically, and just like any day spa, there's this one client that shows up and no one ever wants this client. And it's this huge, sludgy, like, monster. And he's disgusting and gross. And the, the new girl, they're like, oh, new girl. She's yeah, it's your client. And so she takes him in this bath. But it's one of these things because she's like, okay, if I have to do this, I'm going to do it. And so she starts, like, hosing him down and pulling all of this trash out of him, like, bicycles and wheels and tin cans <laughs> and then at the center it, it's this beautiful spirit whose job somehow I guess is just to in my opinion his job is just to take the weight in the sludge of the world and he takes it willingly and he bears it and then when he walks out he's this beautiful glowy spirit and he gives her a bunch of spirit money <laughs> so that's kind of what I want to do day spa. I've literally never heard of this. Oh my god, you have <laughs> to watch Spirited Away. It's the most yeah. amazing movie. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm so gonna good. do it. I'm gonna add it to my list. Yeah. So um gosh, gosh, what did I ask you? <laughs> Dream job. Yeah, Dream job. Right. Um I would be a showrunner. Ah. I'm working on it. That's a lot of work. It's taking time. It is. Yeah. It's taking time. A lot more work. I didn't go to school for this, so you know it's <laughs> mostly like flying by the seat of my pants and trying to convince people that I'd be a great showrunner for their uh, wonderful content that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Okay, so we can open it up for questions. You guys can literally ask whatever you want, um, and we will answer it. <laughs> it is a risk. Yes. I'm willing to take it. Yes. Oh, is it on? No. Okay. Oh no, it no, did. It did. It, it was did. right there. Yeah, I think. Hold on. Push it back up. Yeah. 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 Hey. Okay. Um, if you guys could guest star on any TV show, what would it be, and what kind of character would you play? Everyone's laughing. They yeah. know which one I'm gonna pick. So, I mean, I just. Mm-hmm. The Flash. <laughs> I would not want to be a speechster. Like, I just no. I think we've seen enough of those. Um, maybe, like, honestly, if they let me go to the flash and play one day. Are you guys listening? Cuz that's my dream. Um like I don't care. I would work in jitters. I don't care. Just let me go there. <laughs> and I will do anything. Maybe actually no. I will be the key to um making Star Labs earn money. Maybe yes. like in some sort of way. I don't know. Maybe I'll create a product well, that they actually use and yeah. sell. But we already fixed their money problems. But right, that would be good. Wealthy Barry. Yes. Wealthy Barry. Maybe we should write a comic about like yes. wealthy Barry Allen and the way he <laughs> looks like in real life. Um, for me, it's a tie. Either I need Disney, and like I'm not upset about the canon old EU, but I would love if they could somehow like bring in the the Jedi healer thing. 
which was, they were a series of books starring Vera Sophie, and I would love for them to somehow bring that back in as a general, like an animated series and do voice for that, or anything on Attack on Titan. Like, I'm just obsessed with that show. Ah, yeah. Attack Ooh. on Titan, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Well, that added an answer. Um, I, I'm gonna do three. Because <laughs> I can't stick to the rules, so I'm just gonna do more than one for everything. I would like to be, speaking of anime, I'd like to be a random audience member in Yuri on Ice. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> you don't want to see me on ice. That's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good for the audience. It's not going to be good for my competitors. It's just not going to be good. Um, I would like to be in Legion as like a random mutant. I think that would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And the most fun would probably, I want to be in Game of Thrones. I want to be the random black girl that is walking in Winterfell and everybody's like why is she there historical accuracy (laughs) I'm like no (laughs) I'm a bannerman of the Starks I'm just here it's me and my my group of black people that just randomly showed up in the north (laughs) but wait you guys just walk through you don't Don't we're engage. The, just we're walk in the through. background. We're one of the yeah. families in the okay. background. Okay. We're gonna go fight she behind shows up for John. Festival day. Okay. They show up at festival day, buy some stuff. We're, we're, like, we're, we're in the we're background out. in the Great okay. Hall, and we're just fighting with John. And nobody explained why we're there. We're just there. <laughs> it's just a big group of black people in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not getting involved in this. Like, <laughs> oh, we're fighting. We're fighting. <laughs> okay. I got my IKEA just first. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess kind of answered it, but but maybe. Very more specifically, is there a favorite fictional city or place that you would want to live? <gasps> that, uh, Not Central City. Yeah, too many matters. in Central City is going to be. It's awful. terrible, right? No. I love some terrible cities. <laughs> I, yes. I kind of actually really like Gotham. I I love Dude, Gotham. I'm like maybe I would live in Gotham. It's so dark and bleak; the sun never shines. But there's something there's about it that's crime magical. Everywhere Gotham was always like my <laughs> it major is, city. But isn't it? It's like yeah. New York City. Maybe that's why I love but it. So much worse. <laughs> One of those story, those those cities from like um, Legend of Korra or um, Avatar, because I feel like it would be it, your life is so unpredictable in those. Yeah. Like there's that running joke where. There, that poor melon guy, his stuff is always getting like knocked over. And because I didn't watch Avatar when it first came out, but I binge watched. I'm like, this poor dude. He like moves city to city, and he still gets found. Right. But I just think it would be. It's like it'd be like living in interesting times if you lived in one of those cities. I'll say on the opposite side of my spectrum, I probably live in the Mascara. because it's oh, like yeah. always sunny. It's beautiful. The beach is there. It's like picturesque. But then you have Gotham. I'd live in yeah. both. I'd be bi-coastal. I like, yeah, I like the Themyscira, Gotham, or, like, the lower levels of Coruscant. Yeah, Like, if it's, if it's a seedy underbelly where nobody honest or good lives, <laughs> that's where I want to go live. I don't know why. Like, I don't want to do any crime. I'm You're setting here. yourself up for to, to be robbed, maybe killed, potentially. Yeah. You're like, no one good lives here. No one good lives here at all. It's a dangerous place. But, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go live there. Yeah. Um, set Bearded Away. I'm going to second that. You have to watch that. Fantastic okay. movie. I'm going to watch it. Um, so what show would you want to show run? What would your fighting style be? And where would you live not in a city underbelly oh. besides that? And why do you choose Central City? Um, let me see. Mostly because metas attack them every five seconds. 
and I'm concerned about that. Like, where's the regular crime? Like, sometimes it's okay to just have regular crime, but like in Central City, they have like all of these unique crimes that can never be solved within like 20 minutes. Like, where's the petty theft? Like, just yeah. someone steal a bicycle every now and then. Like, instead of having someone come in with like fire and you know, it's like, oh my gosh, we have this fire breathing human being who came in today and basically burned down half of Central City. Where's just, you know, steal my bike. I mean. But think of how easy it is for the rest of the cops. It's like, oh, we got the flash. We'll take care of all those. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, like, if you're Joe West, you're basically just sitting back, like, Barry, Wally, everyone just go be free. (laughs) And I'll be drinking coffee in the corner. But, like, if you're a regular person, you could be going to work and a building could fall on you. Right. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I'd want to live in the Jedi Library, where Jocasta New lives. That would be like my second place to live. That's like the Star Wars version of Beauty and the Beast. It's like, ah. (laughs) And she was really cool. She was like, she had that grumpy old vibe. And I just swear that they didn't take her down easy. I just have in my mind that like she kicked some butt before she went down. Because you forget that the librarians are Jedi's. But but she, you know, like she, that was her, you know, what she was. She was a Jedi. She was a Jedi uh, librarian and. But I just loved how salty she was, and I kind of feel like I would be like that later in life. Like, don't mess with my filing system. Just sit there. Don't touch anything. I'll get you what you need. <laughs> um, you asked me about the show running. Yeah, my fighting style. Um, so I don't know that I would show run anything that's out now. I will say that I am super excited for Black Lightning, but I think they have two incredible showrunners. Um, so if they would like, I don't know, let me come visit them and, and shadow them, that would be ideal. But I think I would like to create something new. And um, I have a couple of friends who are writing novels that I potentially um, would love to show run and be a part of. So yeah, kind of sci-fi, Fighting fantasy style. Style. I would take um, whatever the water tribe uses in Avatar because it's so beautiful and fluid and graceful. And that's the opposite of how I move. And I want that. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be able to move like that. And I can't. Like, I trip over things. Like, I'm so awkward. And I just want to be able to be fluid and free and have water at my command. Yeah. Actually, I'd like fire at my command, but it's a little bit more forceful, that fighting style. So I'm going to stick with the water. Peace. Thank you. Thanks. Yes, uh, so I have this comic book. Um, that I've had since I was a child, and it's it's worth like over a thousand dollars now. It's a really awesome comic book, and I can't remember the exact name, but in this comic book, it's an Incredible Hulk comic book with the like some of the Avengers in it, mm-hmm. and one of the characters um, is Captain Marvel, and she's a black woman, oh. and. I've looked for comic books with her in it. I can't find any. And I was wondering if any of you are Marvel fans, if you know what happened to her. <laughs> Isn't that, I've never seen this, um, this version of. The, the it's Black, Monica Rambeau. It's Monica, oh. yeah. yeah. There's a really great, um, the founder of Black Runners, Jamie Brodnax, does this really great podcast called, is it Misty, Misty Nights? It's Misty's Unfurled Afro. Afro. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to know about her, they do a whole episode on her, um, her origins. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, she's oh, the ultimate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, she started, she's been in a lot of great things, even, um, and there was this one really wacky one she was in. But what does she call herself now? She has a different spectrum, yeah. Oh, spectrum. But if you okay. listen to that, it's called Misty Nights. Twi- Uninformed Afro. Uninformed <laughs> Afro, and there's a whole oh, story on her. Twist out. 
No, no, it is, it is um, Afro. Stephanie. She's right. It's oh. uninformed Afro. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically go to choose a black um, woman, female character, mm-hmm. and they go out. They go through her entire history and how she's represented. and like they name the books that you should be yeah. reading it's just it's a really good we talk about wet and wild cosmetics you'll be on the floor like i was like jamie talked she bought back that was back wet in the day the was, wet and it wild. was like the first makeup i, I bought like, i was driving like no you look beautiful oh, this yes. is amazing yes. um so my question is how do y'all think the best way to get more um young black women involved in like sci-fi and cosplay and like coming to events like this that's a great question. Tell everyone you know. Yes. <laughs> like also, I think it's support the products that have it because yeah. like I am on this thing about the Freemaker Adventures and I feel like pretty soon somebody's gonna have to start paying me because it's the best way to get people into Star Wars where you see people that look like you. And like my great nephew, he, he wanted to see Star Wars because he saw five seconds of Finn in the desert and he said, Daddy, I wanna go see that. And I tried for 30 years to get my nephews to watch Star Wars and they wouldn't. So, uh, because they thought it wasn't for them, you know. And so anything that's out there, talk about it, tweet about it, find the writers, tell them thank you, Mm -hmm. and just kind of share it with your friends. But it's hard not to, it's hard with non-geeks because you're like, I just want you, I just want you to watch this, could you watch this? But just kind of find what they're into and whatever they're into, support that. Like It's like building a flame to a fire, build it up and then say, oh, you know, I kind of spent my time in your world, Come, you spent a little bit of time in my, you know. But your generation of women and the generation yeah. ahead of you, you guys are my idols and rock stars mm-hmm. because you have made this change. Like for me, I would not only be the only person of color in the at a convent in a room, I'd be the only person of color in the entire convention. I used to go to creation cons back in the day. And luckily my mother raised me to think that think that there wasn't anything that wasn't for me, even yeah. if I wasn't in it. So I would go to creation cons. I would fly to a con where I'd probably be in a room with a thousand people and be the only person of color. But when I would talk to people and we had the language that dialogue, it wasn't about color. It was like, oh, we're just geeking out over Robin Hood. So it's, you guys are already doing so much, your generation. <laughs> just keep it up. And I'd say little kids, too, are like kind of the new wave, the new generation. So like my nieces like a lot of things because I just kind of sit down and talk to them. And I'm on, like, I'm actually a scientist <laughs> by trade. So like I'm already just into a lot of nerdy things, and I always have been. So I, I think just having conversations with people and kind of opening up to like things that you like and sharing, and they share things that they like, and you guys swap and kind of talk about a, a few different things. I think that that helps as well. And then you'll be surprised, like people are actually listening. Like I was talking to one of my friends the other day, um, and he um, is like a, a straight white guy. And I was chatting to him about like Insecure, just like saying some different things about it. And then we talked like the next week and he was like, so I watched those episodes of Insecure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I actually wasn't like, like we were just chatting about it in general. I wasn't like making a plug to watch it, but he was like, oh, I watched all of the episodes. And I was like, oh, wow. Sometimes people listen to me. That's a novel, yeah. <laughs> that's a novel feeling. And say for like um, con experience, just always know that you belong and you're not alone. Um, I always try to take pictures and tweet pictures of black cosplayers to show that we are here, people are here doing, they're attending, they're participating, 
they're, they're a part of this con and like share that with other people. Share like, I went to this con, it was an amazing experience. We're not the only one, you know, I was not the only black person here. I wasn't the only person of color here. We're all over the place. So come to the con, it's gonna be wonderful. And just even if it seems like we don't belong, just take that, take your spot. <laughs> Fight for your spot and just don't let anybody tell you that you don't, you know, you're not supposed to be here because we're all supposed to be here. And just have fun. Yes. Tell them it's fun. Because <laughs> it is. This, was a, this con was a lot of fun. No, it was yeah, so yeah. much fun. So much fun, actually. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, question about uh, Pacific Rim. <gasps> I love Fantastic Pacific Rim. movie. Oh uh, if you uh, take any fictional character that you have to be drift compatible with and then name your, uh, your mech, your Ooh, Jaeger that you would be in. I can't answer this question. Oh, okay. So you, you know, it's it. just it's like giant fighting kaiju, and you have okay. to you both get to share a, a a metal thing, but you have to kind of be you have to mind meld. It's like okay. mind meld, but okay. you have to be in sync. So um, it's like when the Power Rangers like merge with their <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like okay. Captain exactly. Planet. It's Captain Planet. You all merge together to right. form to one form bigger one. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so hard. See. I actually. I don't know what my options are. I'm gonna pick. It's gonna be me and Daisy Ridley because she's my best friend. She just doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> because Carrie was my best friend, and so her and Carrie had a good thing, and so I was Carrie. And we would just have something that flew, and then when it you do this, it like just shoots a bunch of bullets. So you just go up. And you shoot bullets and you land down. Like I don't know what you call that in kaiju terms. <laughs> we just we fly and then we do a like a pose and we shoot stuff. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah, that's our that's our mecca, and it's pretty. It's like shiny. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? I actually want to choose Carrie Fisher because I feel mm -hmm. like if she was in my head, she wouldn't judge me for anything that she saw in there. <laughs> And I wouldn't judge <laughs> her for point. anything that I saw in her yeah, head. And I feel like we would support each other and it would be a beautiful relationship. I can't believe you didn't pick John Boyega. I was like in shock. We have to share what's yeah. in our heads. <laughs> and you don't want to share what's in your head with John? No. <laughs> no. You want to be free? I you know, we can fight together. But we're not, we're not fighting in the same way. Okay, how about I, I'll take John for you. Okay. That way you don't have yeah. to do that, and then that way. But you can see him in the take commissary, the like yeah. when we're resting between <laughs> battles. You're like, hey. That is so, oh, and then I can take my dog. You see that? Oh, this that's is working out. We can dog. have our dogs in it with us. Now, what is your kaiju look like? What's your, is your kaiju like? I can't think of, oh, I was thought we were doing names. I can't think of a name. Oh. I think my kaiju is going to be the only kaiju that can um, laugh and point at people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to do that ha, 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 laugh from the old dubbed. Um, it's like, where's Godzilla? Mel and Carrie? We're all the way back there. Laughing at people. And they're, they're not answering their comps. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're just, we're coming, but it's just going to take some time. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, so I feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about the things we love, and I'm curious if there are... Things um, that we hate? Yeah, well, yeah, franchises or fandoms that you don't particularly care for and why. Well, we just talked about this. One thing I hate is X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, my yeah. gosh, that movie. Jeez. We were talking about the worst movies from last year, uh, and I was like... Mine is X-Men Apocalypse. I was like, Batman vs. Superman was worse. And yeah. then I remembered my worst movie from last year was Batman the Killing Joke. 
which is yeah. awful. It was the most awful thing that I've seen. Yeah, I see your face. You're like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was so bad. I was so frustrated watching that movie. I was just, I was on my laptop and I almost wanted to throw it. I was like, what the hell did they do with this thing? I mean, come on, people. Ugh, it was so bad. All the Transformers so except the first. The first, the first one first, was so good. Because the first is like comfort food if you were an 80s kid. Oh, you know, like so I still have my ambulance Transformer. And so the first one, like seeing Optimus Prime, like crawling around behind the houses and that voice, it was like home. But like they should have stopped. And the rest of them were so bad. Yes. Like I can't even, yes. I can't even. Yeah. And I haven't even seen it. And my heart is broken over the Inhuman show because... Black Bolt and Medusa, that, those are my people. Like, I love the Inhumans. Like, they're my favorite couple. I have the little Funkos, and I'm like, I don't understand how Funko Pop can give better hair to <laughs> the Medusa. You know, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it, I just don't. That wig, that wig is terrible, or understand. was terrible. I'm still confused like, of whether or not it was canceled. But I mean, they could have went to any beauty supply, and someone would have picked them something bigger. And mm-hmm. I don't know anything about hair. Like, my hair is just the way it is. And I don't, so I don't, so I try not to judge people, but like what? And, and I, as an actress, I would have been like, I don't, you can't do that to me. (laughs) I would have been on Twitter. It's like, this may sound weird, but if, is there any woman of color willing to meet me at a, you know, Sally's beauty and help me out? I can't tell you why, but I need you to meet me at one and help (laughs) me because I'm in a really bad place right now and, and I need help. I feel like too unpopular opinion. I did not like the Fantastic Fours with Chris Evans mm-hmm. and Jessica Alba. I did not. I don't think anyone did. My mother does. She's yeah, obsessed she with does. them. She thinks they're fantastic. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? She's like, we should watch Fantastic Four. It's like Four. there's two Chris and the Evans. Silver Surfer. It's like there's like, two Chris Evans because I'm like, how did that? Yeah, dude you forgot about that, Chris Evans. <laughs> like, just how did that dude become the dude? Like Chris Evans. Like, I don't think that it had to be everyone else's fault but him. It was a really smart yeah. career move yeah. for him to become Captain America. Yeah. uh, You just love being in comic book movies for a little while. It's hilarious. It's going to be sad when he retires. Do you think... So I'm thinking it would be cool if they just went right to... um, Do you think they're going to do Winter Soldier and then... um, What's his name? The Falcon Dude? Or do you think they're going to go straight to... Because Chris said that eventually he's going to leave. No, well, he has to. Yeah. And Robert will as well. Unfortunately, that makes me so sad because I don't think yeah. I can have another Iron Man on screen. Like, he's so good. Yeah. Unless but, it's Riri. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, a, another, like, like male. Like, actual man. Yeah. Okay. Like, I can always do Riri. Yeah. So but, I think they should skip and go right to Falcon. And everyone's like, the world will burn and Marvel fans will be upset. I don't think so. Because today, when I was on the Marvel panel... Someone recommended that they do, like, they put Sam Wilson as the next Captain America. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, that's actually really nice. Yeah, because I think And then really team her up with Riri. Like, someone was like, team her yeah. up with Riri. And I was like, yes. He did great. <laughs> and then they were like, add Miles. And I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whatever. That'd be awesome. Yes. Like, yes. Hello. Oh, you're so cute. She, no, she's a studio so my question is I don't know if you guys do costumes at all or not but if there was a particular character it doesn't matter your sewing or makeup skills like someone came was like I will make you into this character what costume would you pick I want all of Queen Amidala's costumes yes. I want all of Padme's costumes, mm. except for the one that's like 
backless, basically. That's just not going to work. But, like, the rest of them, they're just so intricate and beautiful. And I just, and I want everything from Black Panther. Yeah. I literally yeah. was about to be, like, I'm like, all man, of woman, costumes. all of them. I all want of all them. of them. Actually, I think I'll take Black Panther over Queen Amidala. I want yeah. um, either Mikasa or someone from the um, Attack on Titan, the Survey Corps, because I probably will look more like Armin than Mikasa, but <laughs> I just want, I want, I, it's so, I love seeing the women in that gear, because women have really taken to Attack on Titan. Um, it's, it's so empowering watching them all in the Survey Corps outfits, because it's, the women on that show are, they're pretty fantastic. It's a dark, crazy show. But it's never, there's never a question of the women who are fighting, like, why are you here, or why are you? And anything that's made fun of, it's just their personal quirks, like Sasha, who, I, Sasha's like my, like, she's like who I think I would be in an apocalypse, because Sasha's like, she's always thinking about her next meal, because she knows the world's going yes. to hell. Yes. So Sasha's just like, I'm gonna have a potato in my pocket yeah. when it comes. Yeah. And I just, I love that's that. Resourceful. I love that so much about her. and. Um, but I just, just anything Attack on Titan, if someone could hook me up. I would say all of the characters in Black Panther, I would have to say that as well. And then, if I'm thinking about it, I really like the costumes that they're doing, and it hasn't come out yet, but in Thor Ragnarok, I really yeah, like Valkyrie. they're really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, if I could be Jeff Goldblum in the next <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> potentially, like, maybe that's my dream costume. Yeah. I don't know. The aesthetic of that movie is so amazing. I'm like, yeah. it's... It's just gonna be so much fun. Yeah, and the Thors are like my least favorite ones. Mm -hmm. So like, I was surprised when I was like, oh, look at this trailer. You know, I kind of also want to be a Mecca. I, I don't oh. want to walk in it or move in any way. Well, but that's gonna be challenging. Like yeah. from, a, you know, Mecca from Pacific Rim or Evangelion, yes. one of them. Oh, just I was gonna say Evangelion. Stand there. Because <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Dragon Con, but like those big costumes, they tend to pick an area and that's it, they don't move from it. They just stand there and let people take pictures of them. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. Just stand just there. Just stand and, and take photos. And then have somebody help me out of it afterwards. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I should just be Howard the Duck. Like one year. <laughs> I was just wondering why. I think about it, I should just be Howard. Did you Howard. see one of those booths? They make these amazing heads that you just put the yes, head on, and yes, they're so well yes, done. Yes, I've seen it. That yeah. should just be my life, mostly every day. <laughs> Maybe I'll just walk around like that. Also, guys, I just introduced my youngest sister to Howard the Duck, and she's terrified. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she was like, please don't ever show me that again. And I was like, okay. Hello. Well, only my favorite. <laughs> Hello, Diana. Hello. I love that. So if you were a mystique for a day, who would you transform Ooh. into first, and what would you do? Oh, that's a good Man. question. I mm. forgot about mystique. Mm. Who would I transform into? Do they have to be a superhero? They can just be someone regular? Anyone. Oh. I think I'd do anyone who works at, like, the Lucasfilm, and I just, like, walk around and look at stuff. But like you know, like not to get pictures or anything. So either I'm just a, I adore Matt Martin. I've had the pleasure of being on a panel with him. I've seen him all week, and he's just so. So I would turn into Matt Martin for because he digs comics and all this stuff. But so I could play off being Matt Martin, and then I would just kind of walk around. And I wouldn't want to no know spoilers. I just would want to like sit in the commissary and walk around and and That's so nice. play with Chopper. I I wouldn't want to mm. learn any secrets. I would just want to like I take all the yeah. secrets. <laughs> Every single one of them. But yeah, you, I think you know, that I think that's the fun yeah. part. I think that's the reason why you do it. I'd be a yeah. revolving, you know, story group, just getting anybody I can get to take every <laughs> single secret. Yeah. 
But you're in no spoiler zone right now for, for Last Jedi. I wouldn't take anything for Last Jedi because it's about to come out, but like right. everything else is fair game. I okay. actually, I'm actually not even entirely sure how we're friends because spoilers are my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, the, I will search yeah. for them. I want spoiled, <laughs> I, I need to have spoiled who Thandi Newton is going to be in Han Solo oh, because yeah. I need to either get ready for disappointment or just start my happy dance right now because... I just like I just need a woman who's not white to have a line of dialogue in Star Wars, like. Who's and she's not there. CGI or. Yeah, makeup. I need her to not be CGI or Aww. anything, and so I just that would be the one secret I would want it because I just need to know that, like, just. And I don't know why they're holding back because I feel like just tell yes, me spoilers. Just put a picture up and because I'll either have to get my morning ready or I'll just be like, hey. <laughs> Speaking of. Um, women of color with no speaking lines or who are CGI and don't look like that. I actually would be, I don't know if you guys saw the video, I'd be Lupita as the yellow Power Ranger at <laughs> Oh San my Diego God. Wait, she was because she basically, she, I'm sorry, yeah, she was the pink one because basically she was oh living her best God. life. She was having so much And it was the best, best thing ever. So yeah, I'd actually be her. Sometimes. I just love people who are kind of like, oh, okay, it's Comic-Con, but they would like, if they knew who that was. Right. Yeah. I mean, she literally danced everywhere yeah. across the floor, and I'm actually mad that I didn't see a pink Power Ranger the entire time yeah. I was there. I would be either Tony Stark or, or Oprah, and I would make a sizable donation to my big account. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the best one. one. Yes. Put some phones, money in you your pay own off account. my car. Yes. Yeah. I would like a house or a so wise. Yeah. So and then you Meanwhile, I just want to like jump around Comic Con floors. Yeah. This is why I'm living in the crime-filled cities. <laughs> I'm like, oh, who am I going to transform into? Somebody else, so I can do crime. <laughs> you could make a charitable do- foundation. No, That's a good she way. She is to get the away. charitable. I, I am think, foundation in this, in But this you could create a foundation. You could, you can like they're wash already, your money through. They're already doing charity. Yeah. In this case, I am the charity. And Guys, I want this the money. this podcast turned dark real quick. It all of a sudden. <laughs> Became a podcast about money laundering yes. <laughs> and like just exactly. went way left. This is how you clean your money properly. Yes. <laughs> I have two very different questions. So one, the first one would be, what color would your lightsaber be? Uh, and the second one is, do you have a favorite like nonfiction book or genre that you read? Purple, pink. I'm stealing that purple. My one. rose quartz. Oh, yeah. Wow, you're so fancy. <laughs> I, I feel classy today. just, yes. you know, hearing that. Like, oh, I was so happy to learn because, okay, here's the thing. Samuel Jackson, Purple Lightsaber. Let, yeah. We've all gone there, right? So there's this amazing book called Everything You Need to Know About Star Wars, and that's not a purple lightsaber. It's amethyst, and it's, he has, it's one of the rarest kyber crystals there is. So I was like, it's Well, I'm amethyst. taking amethyst then. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pink. And nonfiction, I don't know why, but I am obsessed with the medieval period of history. It's the worst time for women, but it, I'm obsessed with it. I just really? love everything medieval. Uh, um, I used to read Chaucer, all of those things. Um, I can just tell you my favorite book. It's Les Mis. Cool. Love it. Obsessed with it. I'll read it again soon. And so nonfiction, right? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I like true crime books. <laughs> it's really depressing. But sometimes they're really they're interesting good, also. They are good. And terrifying. Those 2020 <laughs> specials, oh my gosh. No, I'm addicted right. to this thing. This is why I can't like downgrade my, my cable because like the Investigative Discovery Channel oh, loves ID. that thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh Sorry, tangent. Okay. 
Um, I was going to ask you, I was just curious, um, if you guys can create a comic book, what kind of characters would you be in? Like, what kind of villains would you have? Oh. What kind of environment? Ooh. That's a good one. I need to think about this. What type of environment? Mine would all be in space. I know that for sure. That would be fun. Everything would be in space. Like the Jetsons, but with superheroes. <laughs> um. Mine would have to be a, a historical manga. I don't know why, oh. but... I was one of the booths downstairs. They have you seen like when they do the Star Wars characters as like uh, as like Shogun warriors or and like so I would it would be something like that where I couldn't use Star Wars without getting in trouble, but just some has kind of historical manga that was also really entertaining. Um, what kind of villains though? That's actually the hardest part of the question. Villains, it would have to be because manga does such a great job of combining things, so it would probably be some like magical time travel kind of villain that was just like trying to get a foothold in the past to control the future. Yeah, I was going to say my villain would definitely have a dragon even though we're in space. <laughs> <laughs> it's not logical, but space it is dragon. what it is, right? Yeah. Um, I think I would do something um, Game of Thrones-like, but mm. set in either a Mayan civilization, mm. ancient Egypt, or ancient China. Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. And it would be all about political intrigue and then also supernatural elements. So I'm going to steal that dragon. And then people with magical My powers. My dragon is in space. How yeah. dare you bring him to China? <laughs> I mean, what? Your space dragon. There's that no. space whale There's dragon in Doctor Who. Remember that space whale that everyone was living on top of? You could have that. Oh. <laughs> that space whale and build yourself a fortress on it. You know. That space whale was so sad, though. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> but that's because they were like forcing him instead of asking him. Like yeah. they could, you, this would be like, hey, you're gonna be flying around the galaxy forever. Can we just like put a little hut up here and hang out? Like the, it's because they were forcing him to like. And I think that's what Doctor said. Did you ever think to ask? Like you just kind of like roped him and tortured him. You oh know? gosh, that sounds <laughs> terrible. So we have like five minutes left. So any more random questions that you want to know the answers to? You guys could probably just shout them out, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Which one of you would like Ooh. Well, one they would be a vampire. I would 100% 100% have a Viking vampire and maybe she would be like the leader of the Vikings and no one knew that she was a vampire yeah I, this is, can go way dark real quick and I'd, so, I'd have the real yeah yes exactly and then she has a dragon and we're still in space yes. <laughs> I'd have the real Loki living with Vikings, just messing with them every Loki single day. Favorite. Like Ooh. just like every single day, just messing with their life and their heads. Yeah. Just, yeah. Torture them from the inside <laughs> out, maybe. I don't know. Yes. There's that? like that um, Nat Geo story that came out about that um, famous Viking warrior who turned out to be a woman. Oh, so wow. I would just be like the mascara, but with Vikings. Yes. Vampire Vikings. And a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't leave out the part about them being vampires. It makes yes. the Vampire, most sense. Vampire, Viking, women, yes. dragon. Yes. All, all in one place. It's the best place, I think. So, who's your favorite vampire? Oh. Christopher Lee is Dracula all the way, every day. Because I really liked Tom Cruise in Interview with a Vampire. I really, really do. 
But then also, the Buffy in me wants to say Angel. Yes, Angel. Because um, I had like a bit of an obsession then, kind of like in middle school. But then like the Twilight in me. <laughs> There's so many elements. This could go so many Are ways. Are we going to fest to Twilight? The Twilight. <laughs> Listen, I, I watch Twilight like I once a quarter because the they're not yeah. good films. Yeah. <laughs> but like I have to keep watching them. It's like a ritual. Like every Christmas, we get together, and my little sister and I will watch all of the Twilight films. Oh Clearly, God. the third one is the best. Yes. But you know, <laughs> sure. And they're all terrible, but I still, I can't stop watching them. Yeah. And I clearly keep watching them because I've been watching them for like the past five years over and over again. Um, so there's that. <laughs> I actually told in another panel this weekend that um, we were talking about being a nerd as a child and what that was like growing up. And I told a story about how I tried to, well, actually I did, form a vampire appreciation club in elementary school. <laughs> Appreciate them. So I would take um, Antonio Banderas, his vampire, oh, and interview oh, vampires. Because yeah. he was just so beautiful. I mean, the hair, his love for Louis. It was just, oh, it captured Antonio. my young heart. Yeah. yeah. He was a handsome vampire. He, he really was. was. He was just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I think that's it. I think we're basically out of time. Thank you. So everyone. thanks, guys. <laughs> the black girl nerds podcast is produced by jamie broadnax various episodes are edited by jamie broadnax mr daniel and john bauer the opening theme song to our show is written and performed by samus various instrumentals are performed by samus sky blue and shubzilla you can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Art19, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum Podcast.